Well, hello, Zimmy. How are you, sir? I, what? What? Yes. <laughs> Very good, old boy. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Very good. I've been doing the money in the stocks. Mm-hmm. Yes, money, money, and champagne. Money, <laughs> money, money, money. Those <laughs> oh, silly peasants. <laughs> <laughs> you should totally check out our improv comedy troupe, though. <laughs> oh, and there it is. There it is. There it is. Oh, my goodness. into a Mr. Pulitzer impression from the Newsies, but I started laughing and I, I, I lost it. <laughs> no, I was just thinking of the transatlantic accent that they used to use for old movies. Yeah, that we've never talked about before. Not once. <laughs> certainly not going to talk about it on the next episode as well. <laughs> what, is it like every third episode now we're going to talk about that? That seems reasonable. Perfect. You know, we Please are... slot it in for two episodes from now. <laughs> We are consummate professionals here, uh-huh. and you're making us look like amateurs. Concerned professionals. <laughs> right, old chap. <laughs> I really need to get this screen away so I don't accidentally hit spacebar again. Oh, <laughs> spacebar. <laughs> Minimize audacity. Keep running in the background. You tap but anyway, it, You tap the spacebar, and suddenly everything around you is just a star screen, just <laughs> drifting through space. That's like a, I'm sure that's been done in a like a sketch comedy interstitial or something. Oh, there's the there was that little hand drawn ASDF mm-hmm. comics or whatever. Yeah, and they had the I'm gonna do the internet and then I'm gonna do a book. Oh, and I'm like, no, that's actually reverse. The internet's kind of a horrible place. Books are awesome. I don't know. There's some pretty garbage books out there too. I don't know. Oh yeah, but it's much easier to stay away from garbage books than it is to stay away yeah. from garbage internet. Garbage internet just kind of draws you in. Yeah, you can't. It, it's it's always right there, and it looks legit, and then Look it's at me. not. Look at my fancy headline. You want to click on me? <laughs> we were talking between Poop. about. <laughs> Suddenly, <laughs> we, we were a... talking between about how certain words and phrases trigger you to think certain ways. Yeah, and look at me is one of those because I don't know if you ever saw Warriors of Virtue, the kangaroos that were like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I know what you're talking about. No, I haven't seen that. Because the bad guy in that, at one point towards the end, he has this whole thing where he's like, look at me, look at me. (laughs) (laughs) And every time someone says, look at me, that's all I hear in my head. Fair enough. Yeah. Someone's just saying, excuse me, we're having a conversation. Look at me. You just suddenly start smiling. (laughs) Turn around maniacally. (laughs) I'm your manager, young man. If you don't listen to me, you may be out of a job. Look at I'm me. I'm up here. Look at me. <laughs> no, stop it. Stop it. You're killing me. I'm going to pee. No, it's just because you're a cartoon. wasn't a cartoon. It was live action. Was it live action? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It, no. it was It was live action, just like the Ninja Turtles live action. It should have been. You mean in that it should have been a cartoon? I mean, I was a kid. I thought it was pretty B.A. Sure. I used to think Biker Mice from Mars was pretty cool, too. Turns out, it, it is. It was <laughs> totally cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never look at never look at old cartoons, eh? Like you used to think G Force <laughs> or Gotcha part, Man, yeah. and you're like, oh, this was so cool. And you watch it again, you're like, I don't think I like my younger self very much. 
You know what does hold up really well? Tell me what. Veggie Tales. Veggie, Veggie Tales. You don't know what Veggie Tales is? I know exactly what Veggie Tales okay. is. Whew. It's on my mind more recently because I, I listened to a YouTube video where the guy talked about why things ended up going so poorly for them in the end. Right. It's a sad story. Uh, it boils down to he, he got focused on growing too fast and didn't keep the fo- company focused and then okay. got embroiled in a lawsuit that he initially lost and it was ridiculous that he lost it. Okay. And because of that, he had to sell everything. And then like three years later, his lawsuit was overturned, but by then it was too late. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks a lot, lawyers. Thank you so much. It's a fascinating story. Yeah. People should check it out if, you, if you're at all interested in how that stuff works. Because this guy got really lucky, but also, like, once he got that lucky with the money, he was yeah. able, he had the vision to make it work. He just got lost in the vision. You know, honestly, I don't usually like looking at the legal uh, stuff regarding real world properties as much as I do. Uh, I've, have I ever shown you Law and the Multiverse? Law and the Multiverse, the uh, the blog? No. Oh my gosh. It's these two lawyers. Uh, I don't think it's running now, but for the longest time, they would use their real world, actual legal knowledge to delve into the cases of, is Batman a state actor? Um, <laughs> it, what it, what about Clark Kent's legal, uh, like immigration status, citizenship status, or um, Professor X's mind control? What are the legal ramifications of that? Um, like they would deal with comic book stuff from real world law perspective just to see what the actual outcomes would be or how the subject matter would be treated fascinating stuff that that sounds really awesome i will have to actually look into that because that's something that actually comes up more and more in fantasy rpgs where Lawyers? if you use like charm person oh like is that and make them admit to something is that admissible can they be arrested for that in a city and on one side, it's like, well, yeah, they're telling the truth, but are they? The fruit of the poisonous tree doctrine, where the thing, is it uh, inadmissible because of how it was obtained? Or was the person right. a private actor and therefore it's not an act of the state when they do it? Yeah, for sure. But that said, if someone were ever playing a D&D game with me and it's like, yeah, and then and your next phase is going to court. I'm like, eh. <laughs> I, I don't know that I want to turn my D&D into law and order. Excellent! You're running it! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) I'm going to play the random encounter that ruins it. (laughs) (laughs) That should be my Tim... That should be your t-shirt. I'm the random encounter that ruined your game. (laughs) (laughs) On the front, it just says, I am the random encounter. On the back, it says, that ruins your day. (laughs) That is a... That's a good shirt. and King Monkey original, and not actually anything that can be taken by rpg crossing i'm just putting that out there birch get your hands off my merch you watch us rake in the the (laughs) dozens of dollars that we're that are that are our due watch us rake in the heaping debt as we make these shirts that no one's going to buy (laughs) on the street corner you get no part of it nicholas shirt boss nicholas shirt you want a shirt i've got lots of shirts you know who could help us who's that get this a little better I feel like it's a verb could market help us market this or give us some of the capital. It's a verb's t-shirt of the week. Yeah. It's a verb's t-shirt of the week. <laughs> yes, and it's always one of ours, weirdly. <laughs> Today, <laughs> it's a verb is sponsoring one of our t-shirts. <laughs> Boy, that guy has some poor business luck being stuck with us as partners. <laughs>
we we just need to keep attaching him to random properties. I know we sounded like rich big shots at the beginning of this episode, but careful examination will reveal it was all a ruse and not a particularly good one. Yeah, we we are those. We're those middle-income, low-fantasy people that are spending a lot to look high-class, but really, oh, yeah. we're just one step away from massive failure at every moment. I'm this close to bankruptcy with my Amway distribution. We're, we are we are borrowing from one mob to pay another one off. <laughs> That's a sound business model. <laughs> what could go wrong? You just keep borrowing until you... That's it. The Yakuza owes the Jewish mob. The Jewish mob will pay off the Russians. The Russians give the money to the Irish. The Italians get the money from the from the uh, from the Irish. So, long as the cycle continues, everybody's happy. And you, re- you know what? When it comes time to to pay the debt, I don't have the money. So just take me out. Yeah, it's gonna happen sooner than later with that tactic. <laughs> I think. But I think, and before we get to that point, mm. let's let's give it's a verb his normal due. <laughs> and completely ignore him. <laughs> that in favor would be of yeah. Our own bit. We're just using his good name for our own well, our own illicit gains. I don't know if I'd call it a good We're name. We're besmirching I'd... his reputation. We're we are using his recognizable name. That's his, it. His red status. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, we are just like when we call out Birch that he can't have our stuff. We're just we're using the things that help us. And discarding anything that is inconvenient. This is the DM motto that we've been talking about. Right. From the beginning, we've always said this. This is mine now. That's the DM way. So I'm going to generate a Mm. random verb. Do it. Do it. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. If you ever needed proof that computers are listening to us, here it is. Because our random verb of the week is lend. Lend. Oh, boy. (laughs) <laughs> Birched, we're going to need you to lend us a few dollars as our t-shirt manufacturing uh, venture has run into a few problems with the mob. We also probably need a, a good mock-up of Edric the Bard, and that's going to cost money. Oh, yeah. Like a full cardboard standee for the like a movie theater poster. <laughs> yes, I want to I commission a full movie p- poster and trailer Yes, Edric the Bard's adventures. <laughs> Don't you all make tra- like theatrical trailers for your your Dungeons and Dragons characters? Uh, no, I'm just pretty me. Sure, that's common, right? I think like that's certainly the way I do it. I'm not like, good with money. Every, it, that's why there's six six months between each session. I have to film a full six minute trailer. Oh yeah, and yeah. edit it. That's casting time. That's I was this close to getting Tom Hiddleston in the role too. Oh, so close! I was like, he he really embodies the energy. But yeah, you were just one step away from it, and that step was unfortunately him calling you back. Yeah, it was a resounding no. But I got Justin Long back. I got Justin Long, so we're okay. Hey, I I grew up with Justin Long. Maybe not that one. I loved him in Jeepers Creepers. Tell you that much. Anyway, we have been talking about world building. Uh, Oh, we've been talking. About a number of things, but yeah, world building is all over the place. Yeah. World building is our supposed topic for this month, though. Seems and reasonable. Seems legit. Last month we talked about why, well, we talked about what is world building and how that's not just necessarily creating a whole world from nothing. It's any aspect of creation where you're adding to something. That is world building, or we're changing it, making it fit you specifically or your group. Right. 
We talked about why you might do this, whether that be a lack of materials, that uh, unique idea, or just you want a place that's theirs and you can freely create in it. No problem there. We talked about the how of the actual legit world itself building and threw out some tools for you. Hopefully, Birch remembered to link those. I, even if I didn't provide those links, hopefully he went and found them himself and put them in he there. seems like a smart fella. I'm sure he'll figure it out. Right, but, I mean, a lot of people seem smart until you actually hear them. I mean, look at us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew as soon as I opened my mouth it wasn't going to... That's usually where things yeah. fall apart. <laughs> yep, oh, this is historically true. It's like King Monkey enters the room. <gasps> what? <laughs> I was just going to... Okay. I had an idea about pants is all. I, I will say that you probably normally get a few more words than most people in because... Because I don't in. shut up. <laughs> well, you, they're lulled by your, your very gorgeous voice and timbre, but then they hear what you're saying. They're like, what the heck? No, 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 no. Stop, dude. <laughs> I have ideas about my own cryptocurrency. Tell me We're if you'd like to hear We're tired of hearing them. about your podcast idea, your one podcast idea. It's a beautiful idea. It's a wonderful idea, and I still think the market is yearning, yearning to un- to explore the importance Gushing, of even. excrement in in the various types and fields of role playing, and how it can impact gameplay on a fundamental level. Oh my gosh, is that why you suggested ancient sewers? <laughs> oh no, I've accidentally let it in. You have stepped into my trap, and you have it up to your ankles now. <laughs> oh, no. It's getting in my shoes. Ew. <laughs> Not even prestidigitation can take care of this. Poopsdigitation. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but we are going to continue talking about world building and talk about the things that can kind of prompt you into world building. So, so before we even talk there, though... Yeah. I mentioned it last time. We do have to talk about what you're building it for. Yes. So if you're building it, obviously we're coming from a role-playing game perspective. As should you. That's not the only way you can do it. It's the only right way. Yeah. It's the good way. You can also write it for or be making it for a novel. And you want to think about, you'll you'll think about it a little differently if it's for a novel than you would for an RPG. Or screenplay or, you know, if you're moving forward into the far future then that's that's a form of world building you're just taking yeah. something changing it and putting it in a new form or if you're just you just enjoy the process so you're just making it for fun yeah you can kind of sketch sure. some of the generalities you know and even just doing it for fun there's nothing wrong with that either because it's again an exercise in imagination it just there is no harm in it you know Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I do it constantly. Someone will say, oh, you know, I, I, I imagine this game, but I'm going to take out all of this. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. what if we keep that going to an extreme and we mm-hmm. take all of this extra big thing out? How would that affect the world? What would that cause? Like, if you don't have access to cleric magic in a traditional RPG anymore, yeah, how does that change the world? Or <laughs> let's go the other way. Why aren't people just completely fearless mm-hmm. in most fantasy settings since... Apparently, clerical magic is super easy, barely an inconvenience. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, Order of the Script covered that one once, where they're saying, if you know that the afterlife is real, gods are real, clerical magic exists, why isn't everyone just crazy? Because they do know their specific afterlife exists. Knowing concretely that it does exist, they want to live out their best lives according to the precepts of that 
religion or deity or entity. It, it, it's, it makes me think of uh, the Glass Cannon podcast. Early on, there was a player who they were talking about their characters and the character, he was like, hey, you know, what deity does your character believe in? He's like, ah, he's an atheist. And this guy was like, bold in a world where gods demonstrably <laughs> exist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, uh, I think he's just a really powerful wizard. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that cult. was actually something that a person on the general forums was confused about. They said, how can there be people that don't believe in gods when there are gods? Or why aren't the gods – why isn't they believe in every god? And that's – those are good thoughts to have and because there is, has to be a reason. And a lot of it can be baked into the settings this person was talking about or – in the way you think about a god. But if you create gods in your setting, but not everyone believes in them, that's something to consider. Yeah, yeah. If people can sure. get faith magic without actually having faith in a specific person that you're saying provides it, where is that power coming from? That's, I think, my point in all this, is whatever interesting thought you have can lead into world building. Yeah, for sure. Open a door and then just see what's there. Because a lot of times that's... I think that's where a lot of stories come from is the intersection of the unnatural and the natural or where the natural has something vital removed from it and how everything kind of changes around it. That's you can boil a lot of stories down to something like that, at least in sci-fi and fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and re you can even go beyond that if you just wanted to deal with like um, real world politics. You want to deal Ugh. with. Like Tom Clancy, that's world building. He's got agencies that don't exist or real agencies, but doing things that clearly have not happened in real world, but then have subsequent impact in later books. You know, nuclear Are you trying to say that Tom Clancy created agencies that don't actually exist? Because I think I could probably find proof that they do exist. Well, the, the Rainbow Six team, they, they exist. Proof. Being a loose subject because I'm sure the videos are kind of grainy. Sorry, and you meant in, I'm sorry, you meant internet proof, and I meant real world proof. So, yeah, no, uh, the internet is in the real world. <laughs> Boom. Therefore, <laughs> your logic is unimpeachable, sir. But if you're building something for an RPG specifically, you you want to think about what RPG you're building it for, and it is important at least to to have an idea because. The mechanics of the game should at least in some way shape what you do or you should be thinking about how you're going to tweak those mechanics. Because if you use Pathfinder or Dungeons and & Dragons and you're like, I want to go with little to no magic, that massively changes yeah. a lot of the math that goes into those systems. You have to account for that. If at level 6 someone is supposed to have X number of items... Or generally, that's when you can have access to a certain kind of item. If that's not there anymore. Yeah, and you don't change like the monsters to accommodate for that. Or you don't build in a new thing to fill that gap. You're leaving your players struggling. And maybe that's what you want, but you have to be aware of where those gaps are. And your if you're players not, need to be aware as well. Oh, definitely. That's, that, that's our favorite word there, communication. Like, by all means, you can play a wizard. Magic doesn't work, though. Right. Uh, I told I told my my Silence Divine campaign when we started, I, even before they knew that they were in an apocalyptic world, I told them, I said, summoning works, but not in the way you expect. 
and teleportation is only line of sight. Those are two big changes. I don't want you to build a character around those and not know that. And I don't want you to agree to play in this world if you're not okay with those changes. Yeah, I had a, um, a homebrew world where magic had been stripped away from the planet and had therefore become exceedingly rare and difficult to use. Casting a spell automatically incurred a level of, of exhaustion. Mm. Just any any level one or greater spell automatically Oof. level of exhaustion, which makes it very costly to use, right? Yeah, definitely. But it's just, it's something you definitely have to keep in mind if you're going to change things. Now, if you're just cosmetically changing, like, oh, I'm not going to use this pantheon, uh, our, our good buddy and friend, Zyther, is... Zyther? He has recently put up a, an idea that he's been playing around with, where there aren't really gods, there are elemental forces that okay. do things. He threw it up in his... Uh, in our in our setting the world stage, which is a great place if you want to throw ideas back and forth and get feedback over, and stuff. Yeah, over on the Discord. on the Discord. Yeah, yeah, definitely a good place to check out. Mm-hmm. And he threw up his idea. It's a great one. He he's basically changed everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is really cool. And I don't think, at least at this point, I don't think it's going to change fundamentally how everything works, but it changes the direction you come from. Yeah. And so. He's building a world that has far fewer races, but they're all tied to a specific deity. They have a creation myth, all that kind of stuff. And he started with that idea and built it from there, which is a way you can do. You can start with your creation myth and go from there. Yeah, reflavoring is probably the easiest way to go in that case, rather than adjusting the mechanics, unless you happen to have a very well and comprehensively thought out system in place. Yeah, I I am a huge proponent of reflavoring, reskinning anything. So if you want to if you want to have something like I want this to be the new human, okay, well, maybe just make them look like you want and use them as the human or you just make them as the 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 human or, you know, magic isn't magic, it's actually using blah 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 blah, blah. and okay, well then just yeah. Add a little thing where, oh, they, they draw these pictures in the air. Everything else just works the same. You're just being more specific in a thing. Yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a, a Planescape-based game right now. Uh, my character is a druid mechanically. Uh, but basically, it's from an almost super future-type civilization. Uh, it accesses power from a druid core, which is this huge com- uh, planet-sized computer in subspace. Uh, that uses uh, quantum tunnels... Uh, to activate the nano machines in the druid to cast spells. Mechanically, it works exactly the same way. You have a god in another realm. In this case, it's a computer in subspace sending you the magic, but in this case, it's specifically through, you know, uh, quantum subspace gobbledygook, and it's interacting with nanites inside the thing so the druid can actually cast the magic. Huh. I did I did a similar thing. I had a character in Outplay one year who... I, I pretended that Earth, as it was, had ascended to a high-technology place, and this person did all these things to themselves and then put themselves in stasis, and just they wake up every thousand years, and it's created this—I called him Melvin the Forever Man, because okay. he just—he doesn't actually live forever. He just wakes up, lives a year, goes back to sleep. So myths have shown up around him. Mm. Mechanically, he was a wizard— who used a Pathfinder class to access 
ancient technology and power with his spells. And just all his spells that he took were similar nanite or artificially attached things that he could do. And then he used his internal power, quote unquote, the spells to power whatever technology he brought with him. Yeah. So it's a it's a similar thing where I'm I'm not building a whole new class. I'm just reflavoring the wizard as oh, it's all tech based, but he's got a limited power source for these things that refills over the day. Yeah. I kind of like the uh, visual that I had in mind too for mine when this has a level in monk for self defense and you cast Shillelagh on his little batons <laughs> and suddenly they have these sort of glowing circuit patterns uh on them just to reflect the empowered nature of them you know yeah i think i think that kind of flavor is really what sells a reskin because you can say oh yeah it's just this but if you throw in that little detail that is where it goes from oh yeah it's just a druid with you know you know more steps it's my sci-fi fireball yeah but why don't you say fireball you know yeah as opposed to an ejected plasma sphere you know a little just tweaking tweaking the language alone will We'll yeah, or even even like the 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 tracery of circuits on your hand as the it gathers the power for this thing. You know, things like that where you if you can describe why it's different and what it looks like that's different, that's sometimes all you need to make a, a reskin successful. Yeah. And I would I would highly encourage I mean, like we always do, <laughs> for you to steal from other places. Find third-party content, find other stuff that's similar to what you want, and tweak it or reskin it rather than trying to create whole. Because let me tell you, there's people whose whole job it is to do that. And, I mean, the internet is full of people who get mad at them for messing up things. (laughs) And, And I'm not saying you can't do it wholesale. I do it sometimes. I feel comfortable enough mostly to do it. But when I can, I steal. I'm thinking back to when I was younger and I saw the movie Krull for the first time. And I think I (laughs) based a number of my bad guys almost directly on Krull for for quite a long time. My dad was just recently rewatching Pirates of Darkwater that I'd got him forever ago. Uh, It was was partially a good series. The first first mini-series of it was really good. Then when they decided to extend it into a full season, it went bad pretty pretty fast. (laughs) I... I realized I don't really remember much other than the vibrant colors, the look of the main characters, and one episode where our main dude is going to marry someone. It goes wrong. She withers and dies and crumbles away. That's all I remember. (laughs) I remember exactly where I stopped watching it was, you know, they had those huge sea serpents that were always a terror. And then the first time they encountered a baby one, and it has these cute baby eyes and making cute voices and they save it and then the the other sea serpents are friendly with them and i was like oh no no i'm out i'm out Don't give me cutesy baby sea serpents you know what a baby sea serpent would look like in real life a smaller version of an ugly man-eating sea serpent <laughs> i've seen you know deep that sea everything creatures, starts you know? cute and gets oh ugly as God. it gets older everybody knows this <laughs> <laughs> hey I'm thinking your biology course had some gaps in it back in high school. No, we we, we read right out of the Bible. (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) I stand corrected. (laughs) Well, looks like that's all the time we have for tonight. And forever. (laughs) This podcasting is over. As a concept, it's done now. 
But yes, yeah, starting with your creation myth, mm-hmm. kind of sort of getting us on 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 track, track and yeah. stealing. Yeah, I could not get that word out of my brain. <laughs> Nobody it. will know that because I'll edit that out. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but starting with your creation myth, starting mm-hmm. with some piece, you want something that inspired you to do this. Because if you don't have something, we, we've talked about it before, the paralysis of choice, mm-hmm. that can really hurt you if you don't have something to inspire you. So either steal the idea of a setting from, yeah. you know, the movie Waterworld. Oh, okay, well, this is the regular world, except the ice caps have melted, so the water's risen. Yeah. And build from there. And Okay, so how do people live? What? How does that change things? Or, okay, all magic is still there, except now there's a cost to it. Or, you know... Clerics can still do their thing, but the gods don't answer their prayers. Like they still get their spells, but they can't. They don't hear from their deity anymore. Nobody knows what's going on. For my homebrew setting, my creation myth kind of came after one of the elements that I wanted to incorporate. It kind of started with the idea that I wanted magic in this world to become uh, to come from the study of the stars. As in watching the movement and patterns and constellations and and all the changes in the night sky was how wizards used magic, specifically arcane magic. And so that kind of, I kind of wondered how that came about. And it gave me a roundabout idea that in, in the beginning, before reality existed, there was the void. And then one point, the void became self-aware. And in that moment, it became infinitely aware complete omniscience and in that instant it destroyed itself to create the universe and all reality and what it did it set in motion a message a message that is written in the movement of all astral bodies throughout space and throughout time from the beginning of creation to the moment of the end of the universe so that the message is this constant recurring thing it's this recurring motif there is a message but of course, when you're dealing with even the longest lives of species, like elves, for example, what's a thousand years studying the stars? When you're dealing with something that's been going on for millions of years up to this point and will continue to go on for billions of years beyond, no one can ever see all of the night sky. You can't see all of space. So you can only ever glimpse the tiniest fraction of the message. So there's no consensus on what the message is, uh, which, you know, the gods were the first creatures to to coalesce into being and they from their perspective have a greater view of the message that the create that the progenitor the creator of the universe left for them humans and stuff they can only ever glimpse tiniest fragments which basically amounts to being able to cast spells Mm -hmm. so it was kind of like i had this sort of not even a mechanic but a flavor for a mechanic then coming up with a backstory for it sort of wove itself into the creation myth for this world Definitely, yeah. You and you want you want to steal and steal liberally for inspiration. Mm-hmm. And Except then for that idea, you don't steal. Make that it idea. your own. That's my idea. Well, I mean, yeah. No, don't, you don't can my you, you can steal his idea. I, I'll give idea. you permission. No. You can have it. Seems wrong. It is now yours, oh. not Birch. You can't have that, but anyone else can have it. <sighs> Whatever. <feel> bad. <laughs> but even like if you're familiar with Pathfinder. There, there's a there's a witch and a wizard, and witches commune with a familiar for their spells. Wizards commune with a spell book. And that's the only difference in the way they add and access their spell knowledge, just where it's housed. So that's a perfect example of 
a system that already does what we're talking about here, where they said, okay, we want it to be different, give them some different choices, but ultimately, mechanically, it works the same way. It's just a walking spell book now instead of, you know, one you have to write in. So witches and wizards are basically the same thing. They would be able to they, come Yeah, from... they have access to different sorts of spells. Okay. Some of them cross over, but some of them are different. But the, so the, the mechanics of how they do it. It's not like they would come from the same school or anything. Like they wouldn't come from the same system. Of, oh, uh, like tradition of, yeah, of tradition. casting. No. Yeah. And, and so that's sort of like, that. it's sort of, if you, if you kind of reverse engineer the witch from a wizard, then you can kind of see that they're like, okay, we want someone, you know, witches tend to be this kind of person portrayed in fiction. Okay, so it's a nature-based wizard. They wouldn't necessarily have a book. They may have like a recipe book for stuff, but they tend to have familiars. Wizards also do, but they tend to have a closer bond with it. Okay, well, maybe that's some sort of connection to the person giving them power. So they just kind of thought through the pieces. I want this different thing. But I don't want it to be too different, and I want it to work mechanically in the system. You can do a similar thing where you just create a slightly slight variation on something. I I will always be a proponent of take something that already works and just do it in a different way. Reflavor. You do it, yeah. Change the flavor, change the names of it. It's anymore when I hear about a new system or start checking it out, that's the first thing I do. Okay, what could I run this in differently? There's a game called phoenix dawn command and it takes place in sort of like a medieval it's a it's it's actually a a post post post-apocalyptic world okay where they they have recovered from a life-ending event and they're starting they started again and now they're at a full functioning society again okay and so they they have every once in a while discover pieces of things and the people you play as are phoenixes, and you, when you die, you come back with more power and more power until eventually you can't take it anymore, and you die your last death. You have seven lives, essentially. Okay. And I thought, well, what if I wanted – there's a very horror-esque aspect to it. I'm like, well, wouldn't it be cool to do like a Dead Space game? Because a lot of those games, you either respawn somewhere and try again, or mm-hmm. some of them actually have like a clone process. I think – Paranoia actually has a built-in clone process. You're on your, you have five clones or something like that. And so my first thought there was, okay, well, I'll do a space horror version of this. And the level up, when you die and you get more powerful, that represents the cloning process going wrong and you are mutating in some way. And so it's just, all the mechanics work the same. I'm just going to rename these things and you're going to use them mechanically the same, but they just look different. Yeah, well, it's, I mean... It's a sound idea. Just reflavor as much as you can. Um, that said, if you are up for the task of fundamentally, you know, creating a new thing, by all means, do it. But it will be a lot more work for sure. And even there, if you're making it new from scratch, like you can still steal pieces. So you don't have to create a brand new spell list if you're making oh, a new yeah, kind of yeah. caster. You can have new mechanics in there, but say, okay, well, they use this spell list or they use these spells off of those lists. And so that's why I always say steal when you can, reflavor, and make new only what you must to fit your vision. Because odds are someone's done it somewhere, and you can probably get away with tweaking instead of creating new. Because... It is an exhaustive process to create from scratch. It's a fun process, mm-hmm. but it's one I, even as someone who enjoys that process, 
I prefer to use someone else as a guideline when I can. Even if it's just, I'm creating brand new, here's the structure of how this generally works out. But I mean, the the other thing is, if you're if you are world building for a novel, it's going oh, to be yeah. less comprehensive than world building for an RPG because an RPG demands a certain degree of interactivity. So it's going to be it has to be subject to more scrutiny. It's going to be tested more thoroughly. You know what I mean? Whereas if you're writing a novel, you have a story or several stories that will use that world. So the better the the better your world is established the better it's going to work out in the long run because uh, everything will be concrete that you that you can build off of. But an RPG is not just a reader reading your story. It's someone telling their own story in your world, going back and forth, bouncing off of that thing frequently. So if certain elements of it don't hold up to scrutiny, uh, whether they're inconsistent or poorly thought out, um, you know, it, it's going to be that much more noticeable. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I I think I would I would say you have kind of like a you have a detail slider and you have a uh, consistency slider, and for an RPG you've got those kind of both set in the middle where you have you have a lot of generalized knowledge about. So if they go any which direction, you can yeah. quickly say here's what's going on, and you're improving only as much as you're comfortable with. Right. Whereas in a, if you have a novel, you have a lot of detail on the place you are, and anything that you reference, you need to at least be able to speak confidently about it. If especially if you're planning more than one book, because if you're if you're planning what you know five books, and your first first book you talk about the civilization to the north and how they're all uh, godless barbarians, and then your third book you go up to the north and they aren't that. You need a reason why someone thought that, or You've messed up, yeah, and people exactly. are going to not like be happy with that. So you have to think about your detail is more contained in a novel type setting to what you talk about. If you bring up something, you have to know about it. Whereas in an RPG, you're kind of opening the world. Yeah, because you don't know play. what angle your players are going to come at. You don't know what tactic or approach they're going to take to deal with any kind of event. Your protagonist in a novel is going to be able to approach from the angle of this plot, whereas a player is going to come up and come up with some outlandish idea you never even conceived of, and then you have to you have to rely on the setting to provide you with the tools to uh, you know to, to deal with that. To deal and with even if you've set up players. like if you've set up like railroads for them to follow, even if you've got like the clear path, they're not always going to take the direction you want to go. A lot of times, even if you plan three routes, they're going to find the seventh route that you would have considered. Well, yeah, I mean, because you're basically one person thinking of it with one brain. Your party is maybe four to six people thinking with their four to six brains. It's just the numbers are against you. You, you, oh, know, you always. can't think of everything that four to six people are going to think of because they're approaching the game with totally different life experiences. They have different thought process. So I I think when it comes to making the world, I think we're we're coming down on the side of make as much as makes you comfortable for the session, but don't over, don't over prep your world. The more you prep, the more it it locks you into stuff and you have to be consistent with, with some of those things. And then the flip side, as I was going to say, is if you are intent on creating a world, then create it in sort of generalizations in broad categories. Yes. And then start detailing only the aspects of it that you 
I mean, you're going to come up with a certain degree of detail for each individual part or place or element of your yeah. world. But you needn't go into all of the detail that you would for a single campaign. That's one of the things that I see uh, a lot of problems with. I remember doing it back when I was a kid as well. You're thinking, I'm going to create a setting. And then you start thinking, okay, now who's the bad guy? And there mm -hmm. you started making your first mistake. You're not creating a campaign. You're creating a world. And the two things are not the same. You don't right. have to create a plot or an antagonist or a protagonist for a world. A world is uh, an amalgam of millions of tiny plots, you know? Definitely. And, and you can have like a, a big uh, event that sure. the world is moving towards, but that doesn't have to be a the BBEG. That yeah. doesn't have to be the only thing happening. If it's a world-ending type thing, yeah, your players are going to find out about it, and they're probably going to be tasked with trying to avert it. But that shouldn't be the only thing. If you think about Middle-earth, if Sauron was the only bad guy in the world in terms of adventuring, then once he's dealt with, there's nothing more of interest. So that's why the world has to be more, more fully realized than just having one bad guy. Again, that's it's just a mistake that I've seen a number of times in world building where people start designing a campaign, or sorry, start designing a setting and then drift into creating a campaign without realizing it. Right. And you can definitely do both at the same time. It's not a bad thing. You just have to make sure you keep your track separate there. Yeah. Yeah. What exactly. is the world? And then you can, if you're building a campaign alongside of it, then you have to think, okay, well, how does this campaign, how is it shaped by what's happening in yeah. the world? How is it shaped by the places that they're going to hit and what's happening in those places? Yeah, and exactly. you want to have, like my, my, my Silence Divine campaign, I knew I wanted five sanctuary cities. I knew they each had a theme to them, mm -hmm. but I hadn't built all the pieces of it because I didn't know what they would hit when, if they would choose to go to another city. In fact, at my last session, I actually thought I had pushed them with the way this one character was to leaving a city, going to a place that I hadn't prepped for. And I was like, Oh crap, I got to start thinking of how this is all going to work. But thankfully I knew the next city. I knew what its thing was. I knew what generally they were going to run into. I'd thought ahead to that a bit. And so I could have improv stuff. It wouldn't have been as clean as I would have liked, but then I was able to throw some hooks at them to try and keep them there which helped me as a as a player, or as a yeah, I guess even as a player, I'm a, I'm a DM, but I'm also still playing in this case, <laughs> and so I was able to convince them to stick around organically because I'd already set the world up to cater to them in certain ways. Right. And I think that's that's what that's what world building is, setting building. That's what all of this is. You're building a you're you're assembling tools. Yeah. That you can if, at any point pick up to do whatever job you need. And certain places are going to have different tools, have different jobs that need done. And your players are then kind of like the kids playing in dad's workshop. And so every once in a while you take a hammer and you bash them over the head so they stop touching your stuff. Yeah, yeah, Wait, exactly. Did that, mm -hmm. did that make sense or did I, did I fall apart again? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you fell apart, but in a way that I understand. Okay, yeah, yeah. Then we're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When you're dealing with uh, world creation, tell me your thoughts on chosen one prophecies. Um, I can actually, I can actually talk about this because it's happening in my my game. There is a there they have there was a prophecy 
they they haven't understood that it's a prophecy yet. Okay. And the the people actually that ruined the world are the ones who misinterpreted it. Okay. And it wasn't. I like the idea of it. I don't like the world being beholden to such a thing. Yeah. yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. I no, I do. I do. Because basically, what you've got is um, a motivating belief for certain characters without it necessarily being the absolute truth of the world in which the belief is held. Yes. Okay. I, yeah, I, yeah. And, and it could even be like the currents of fate strongly move this direction. Right. But as with anything, you have choice. Because that's, that's the one thing I never want to take away from my players. Is I don't ever want to take their choice away. Mm-hmm. I want to put things in front of them that maybe guide them in a certain direction. But ultimately, I still always want them to choose where they go. So if if my player had decided, you know, hey, this person's being an absolute butthole, I'm going to leave the city and go on and screw them. That would have really sucked for me because I put a lot of time into prepping the city. I (laughs) used GIMP to build the city, a a full map, which I didn't do in the last place. Mm -hmm. And and I I put a lot of time into what was happening here. Well, I mean, the the beauty of that, though, is if they haven't seen the map, you can just move that city to the next place and use it again. Well, no, I couldn't, unfortunately. Because, one, they had seen the city at that point. Oh, okay. And even if they hadn't, each, as I said, each city has its own flavor. And right, right. it's it's very apparent from outside the city what that flavor is, unfortunately. Gotcha. <laughs> hey, you come up to another water city. <laughs> oh, is it water city, too? Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Wait, is every city this? Oh, no, the the world's forcing you to go here. That doesn't feel very good as a player, I'll tell you that. Yeah, no. So that's And I'm that's satisfied. I guess that's what I'm saying. I, that's what I don't want to do. My players sometimes will say, hey, yeah, I'll pick up the, co- the, the crumb you're putting here. Or, hey, I'm sorry for messing with your NPCs. I'm like, hey, dude, you make whatever choices you have. I'm having a blast. You're doing yeah. great. And that's, yeah, I always have to remind them it's almost it's sad for me to have to remind them make whatever mm-hmm. choices you want we're having fun this is great yeah no for sure because they've clearly had those options those times where someone's like no no you're ruining my story no yeah i see i look at a railroad like ideally when you're playing a game it shouldn't be a complete railroad nor should it be a complete sandbox it's right. basically a railroad you should replace the idea with a highway which is a suggestion of possible, or uh, yeah, a, a possible array of suggestions to get you from one point to another with any number of off ramps. Or if it's if even if it's like a if it's a more self contained story where like ultimately they have to confront this one per- thing, then mm-hmm. it's more like an interstate. You have a lot of ways to get to that place in the story, yeah. but you don't have to take the most direct one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, for sure, it, it's 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 it is frustrating as a DM if you don't get to use all of the elements that you create when you do world building as well. But it's very rewarding when you when you get to explore or your players get to explore certain aspects that you created. But it it it's also needs to be continually um, an interactive endeavor where it can't just be you as the creator giving people a travelogue of the world that you've created you know what I definitely mean? like they definitely. still have to maintain agency and they still have to have purpose and their decisions should still be rewarded that is actually one of the really cool things i find about the pathfinder adventure paths there is so much detail 
into why a person's doing what it's doing or, hey, this is why the state is in here. Like in Reign of Winter, and of course, obviously I'm talking about the two campaigns I'm running because those are what I'm in the thick of, but there was actually detail on why Baba Yaga runs and rules the Northlands and why it's perpetual winter. My players don't know that and may never figure that out, but I look ahead to like the final chapter of the story and it says if you want to continue the adventure one of the things you can actually do is you can break her hold on the north if you want and here's how you do that and here's what you can do and can i can i just give you a quick correction there go ahead my wife is russian right it's pronounced baba yaga not baba yaga baba yaga emphasize the second baba yaga is our main person here (laughs) check your privilege Okay, <laughs> you're appropriating other cultures with your language. But I mean, sometimes like there was an NPC early in the game mm-hmm. that they it didn't ever say they had a chance of turning this NPC to their side, but they gave detail on well, this person, this is this person is a va- very different race than everyone else here. They are brand new. They work the kitchen mostly, and they've been traveling. They kind of got roped in here because they didn't have other choices, but they're not sure if they want to stick around. And I I used that to have them not attack instantly when they saw the the PCs. And the PCs took that as a moment to try and recruit them. I'm like, you know what? That makes perfect sense. You're, you're, you snuck in here and you've convinced them enough that this isn't a good place to be. They're not happy with the necromancy going on. And yeah, they'll, they'll join you and help you out. <laughs> Back here. in my day, we didn't have nearly this much necromancy going on. <laughs> I don't like it. But it's it's just it's real neat in it if you ever need ideas for APs, I definitely recommend checking out a lot of the Paizo ones for Pathfinder and Starfinder. Cause they do a good job baking their setting into the adventure pass they put out and giving a lot of tools for DMs to use as you go through. Okay. Cause yeah, we, we advocate stealing and appropriating other people's stuff to make your stuff work. Yep. Parody yep. is a perfect or is a protected form of creation. Yes, that's true. So just call it parody and and be done with it. I'm parodying you. <laughs> it's actually paradoia. Paradoia <laughs> from the Latin. Yeah, from the Latin. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Probably is. <laughs> Many words in English are. No, English is its own thing created from the ground up on a basis of nothing else. Oh. Yes. Oh, well. Did you not know that? America picked itself up by its bootstraps, dude. If you think about it that way, that would make the language even worse. For <laughs> all the, you know, particular one-shot rules that English has and all the nonsense Well, it, was, uh, exceptions it wasn't created all at once. Like, people, different people have had their hands on it. That's why it doesn't make any sense. Right. Problem is that some of those people thought that English should be another language, but I think we're drifting into another podcast now. Yeah, we definitely are. I think we're done with making your world and how to go about that process, stealing everything, mm-hmm. reskinning, building, all that stuff. I think we covered it extensively, right? Mm-hmm. This nap uh-huh. will leave me alone. So until next time, where we cover something else, it's time for Adventure Assemble! It's time to adventure. It's time to suffer. We're simply an adventure with our friends. 
you know, normally I can hear the song you're going for. Oh, jeez, I have no the idea. The style you're going for. That was, I was like, I got nothing here. It's a cartoon. At first I thought, I thought I was going to have to have you do it again because I thought you were going for something a little... Uh, no, I don't know. Inappropriate, and I was like, I can't let you do that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it was just, uh, I think, a cartoon, a cartoon. I'll find okay. something, like, mechanical yeah. and, and, like, little fun, like, <laughs> music box sounding, maybe. There you go. Sort of like, uh, it's a small world. <laughs> I could see that. Something cartoonish is all. I, the only thing I gotta, it's not like I planned these. That's, that's I think, the key <laughs> thing yes. right there. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna test your limits today. Mm. <laughs> so it's time. Speaking of world building, <laughs> so last time because I know this is the favorite part. Everyone loves when I recap the stuff that we do. Recapping is so much fun. Recapping is what all the cool kids are doing. Last time we found out that we are coming upon this should be a normally a flooded area that's recently been drained for mm-hmm. some reason into yes. a perfectly round hole with these obviously purposefully created tunnels similar to what we would consider sewers mm-hmm. and the elves as usual oh, stupid elves trying to figure out what's going on and how they, they are, can take advantage yeah, of it yeah they're trying to appropriate it and mm. they found the aquatic ogres there the and... <laughs> mm-hmm. That that really is kind of our thing, isn't it? We just mash words together. We Portmanteau. have the Anadars. Yep, we're just portmanteauing everything. <laughs> just in the most horrible way possible. Oh yeah, no, not with any trace <laughs> of skill or artistry. No, Evil elves are Evelfs. Evelfs. Elvelf. I like it. That's the name of their that's Evelf. the name of their kingdom is Evelf. <laughs> Evelfdom. <laughs> and they definitely speak with German accents now, right? Evelfdom, and we are the elves. Oh. I don't know. The old German is evil. Yeah, that gets played out, so I might I might veto that one. Maybe something more Norwegian. <laughs> they should speak with Canadian accents. <laughs> hey, come to take your stuff, eh? Hey, we're, we came to appropriate your technology in pursuit of our evil plans, eh? <laughs> I I love that, honestly. <laughs> Just these. Yeah, you're not going to be able to stand before our might, hosers. <laughs> if you hosers don't get out of our way, we're gonna we're we're gonna smash you. Listen, bu- listen, buddy. <laughs> we're gonna take you down, okay, buddy? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Hey, I have a question. Did, you have a question. Did Edric's uh, wife ever have a name? Did we ever establish her name? Oh my goodness. You're going to ask me that now? <laughs> it seems like an inappropriate time. <laughs> it's it? a very inappropriate time. I don't even remember what. what I, no, I couldn't even guess. Was. Let's just say she has not been named yet. Though. I don't think she did. I think we just called her Nymph the El- Nymph Queen. Queen. She was like Nymph Bandit Queen. She was a Bandit Queen. Yeah, Bandit Queen. Okay, I actually found the right outline. Yeah. Do, 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 do. I don't think we named her. Because yeah, I don't know if we name. ever, I don't think we ever intended to come back to that. But I never wrote are. it down, because we had, because even like his parents, dwar, uh, Dwarfy Jane, his mom, <laughs> we never. <laughs> I don't think we established that as the actual name, just a sort of a shorthand. <laughs> well, well, 
that's what I'm saying. We never we called her Dwarfy Jane. We didn't call, I didn't even write that down. So I didn't write anything down for names, and I I try and be good about anything important we write we come up with. Oh no, okay. we do have I do have names for Dwarfy Jane. It was actually Holgoster. Holgoster. <laughs> so so yes, I have I have the two dwarf names, but I don't have the nymph queen. So yep, we don't have a name for the nymph. Okay, perfect. Nymphandra. <laughs> no, no. Her- anyway, while you think about that, I need you to get a D10. It. No, I'm going to roll, but I've got the name. All right. You got a I, D10? I rolled a seven. On a D10? Yes. Okay. You, there was a very long pause there. I'm very uncomfortable with that pause. It's all good. <laughs> you're, you're still pausing. It's not giving me any more confidence. Okay. So this says a haunted priest huh? named Casido. Seeks adventurers to discover who is murdering his peers and why. Moreover, the party encounters an old ally now working against them. Okay, okay. You remember that there was an unconscious knight? Yes. What if they're a knight's templar? What if it's an order of holy knights and that person is either that or that's the one that he's looking for? Sorry, what did you say Casido was looking for? Discover who is murdering his peers. My idea went that Casido is actually the aquatic ogre that is engaged in diplomacy with the elves. Hmm. That's where my mind went. But I, I'm I'm willing. I'm open to discussion. Uh, see, I was thinking about that unconscious knight that we came across, or or that we rolled and weren't sure whether we were going to use it. I thought maybe that it's some kind of like holy order of uh, knights. So basically, a paladin, if you will. Hmm. Or a priest in a, an order that also has paladins. Maybe Casido. Okay, so Casido seeks a company of adventurers. That's us. To find who, discover who is murdering his peers. That's the knight. That's the unconscious knight. And why? So he knows that his, there are members of his order are being killed. And he knows that one of his friends or one of his, uh, people that he knows in the order has been dispatched to, dis, uh, to investigate the recent draining of the floodplains. Mm, yes. So this that's where we come in. And when we get there, we find that the knight is already unconscious. The elves have already knocked him out and are preparing to kill him, even as they are engaged in some kind of discussion with the ogre, the aquogers, who may or may not be interested in what the elves have to offer. We don't know. Yes, I definitely, I definitely like the idea of the elves being the cause of these deaths, obviously. And it also provides a reason why uh, this character is now out there in this area. And it makes sense that, because we've established that this is what the elves do. When they find something, they try and keep everyone else away from it. So it would make sense that the first pilgrimage, and other people would have heard about this strange event. It, it has to have, yeah. yeah, it has to be, has to have been heard decently far and we've we know there's magic in the world people could have divined various things about it maybe seen visions i also don't think it's a small area i think this is a vast like inland shallow sea or an inland floodplain of a vast proportions that suddenly or yeah maybe people thought it was a lake of some sort a very shallow lake and then just suddenly Mm -hmm. it drains very quickly so it's attracted a lot of attention which is why which is why the nymph is interested, because she knows Edric is drawn to this sorts of nonsense. So she's figuring if she can go to some place like this, if she goes where there's trouble, Edric will probably show up eventually. 
And I think, I think Casido, the priest, I think his haunt, the thing that's haunting him is some sort of spirit, maybe either of the land or of whatever civilization created these tunnels, maybe even of an aquatic ogre, maybe because maybe the ogres originally built this and something happened that changed them. Mm-hmm. And we can, dis- we can, I think. His 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 haunted spirit is sort of what gave them their first thought to check this out, mm. and so when the fir- when like the first two or three people didn't go, he volunteered to go, thinking, "Well, I've got a leg up because I've got someone who I've got a voice that's telling me they're familiar with with this a little more." Mm-hmm. And so he goes there, gets knocked out, and I think when we come upon this this unconscious knight, it's actually the haunt that reaches out to us first, like, "Hey, help me!" Hey. Hey, help me, eh? <laughs> Except he's not the elf. <laughs> and an old ally now working against them. I think that's got to be that elf dude from yes. the nymph encounter. What was it? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, var, not Varly. Oh, oh, var I, 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 I closed that. Hold on. I can get it back. Yeah, I can't think of his name, but it was something along that. Varius or something. Who we thought was working with us, but then... Because all of this has only recently become apparent that the elves are up to no good. Oh no, did I not write his name down? I thought I always wrote those names down. I didn't write his name down. I thought I'll it was actually... something along the lines of Varius, or something that sounded like Varius or Verily, but I might be wrong. I'll have, to, I'll have to go back and actually listen and figure out what I called him. Yeah. Because I think that I think that's who it has to be. He made off with an item, which is what turned... I, and this could be... It was the Slab Ooh. of Malediction. Yes, the slab of malediction, <laughs> and this could be the, this could actually be good for Edric because running into this dude will give her an opportunity to realize that he is not good, and he's the one who took the thing from not not he Edric wasn't a part of it, and so when she fi- eventually finds out he lost his wedding band, she's not going to be as incensed because she has a newfound appreciation for him. Yeah, for the stuff that he's been trying to deal with. With all these these darned elves. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Okay. I like it. <laughs> he wrote a name in there. Okay. Yep. I, it just so happens to sound like a word that we know, but... We'll, we'll, we'll reveal that next time. Not this time. Yeah, but the nymph, <laughs> the nymph does have a name. She is a woman with her own mind, her own agency, and critically a name. Yeah, we'll have to figure out what the elf state wanted. Things are falling into place almost eerily well. I wonder what's going to happen. <laughs> but if that's it, I think that's all we're doing for... This, uh, I, I don't know. My words just got away from me there. Yeah. <laughs> we done. We done. <laughs> what more needs to be said? What more eloquent turn of phrase? Oh. We done. Who knew a flamethrower? A flamethrower? Flame <laughs> a flamethrower? <laughs> Who knew a flamethrower? <laughs> 